worry about anything but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4. Excuse me, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us to begin with in the book of Psalm, Psalm 92, beginning at verse 1. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to the Most High. It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning, your faithfulness in the evening, accompanied by a ten-stringed instrument, a harp, and the melody of a lyre. You thrill me, Lord, with all you have done for me. I sing for joy because of what you have done. O Lord, what great works you do, and how deep are your thoughts. Only a simpleton would not know, and only a fool would not understand this. Though the wicked sprout like weeds and evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. But you, O Lord, will be exalted forever. Your enemies, Lord, will surely perish. All evildoers will be scattered. But you have made me as strong as a wild ox. You have anointed me with the finest oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the defeat of my wicked opponents. But the godly will flourish like palm trees and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon. For they are transplanted to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God. Even in old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. They will declare, the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. Verses 1 through 15, Psalm 92. Thank you, Father, again for the wonderful gift of eternal life. Thank you for health and strength. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you and being able to walk with you. Thank you for the opportunity for us to be able to be vessels in your hands through which your work and your will can be done in the world. Thank you for also calling us out of the world and into a new relationship with you and one another. And thank you for equipping us to be the warrior-minded disciples you've called us to be, anoint us afresh with the spirit of prayer, worship, thanksgiving, and praise, empower us to be the worshiping people you've called us to be. Help us to recognize, Lord, that we live in a dangerous, crazy, and difficult world, and there's a need for us to live continually with a warrior mindset that we go forth as conquering warriors, building your kingdom and tearing down the kingdom of darkness everywhere we go. Thank you for the opportunity to do that. Help us to live today and every day in overflow and overthrow for your glory. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Our producer is Isaac Jackson. Isaac is going to lead us in a word of prayer at this time. Hey, Father, thank you so much for all you've given us. Thank you so much for your word and for your truth. Father, I ask that you'd speak deeply to us. Father, I ask that you'd speak to our innermost beings and that you'd uh, reveal truth to us and that you'd reveal more of your own character. Father, you love us so much and you equip us and you empower us to to uh, overcome sin and to overcome the enemy. Father, it's only through you and through the power of your Holy Spirit, only through the Holy Spirit, through the death and resurrection of Jesus. So, Father, thank you so much for that. I ask that you'd grow us more and uh, build your kingdom here in your holy name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Isaac. 
uh, reading Psalm 100, it tells us these words, Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Go into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and His faithfulness continues to each generation. All of Psalm 100. I want to take time now to share an article that we've placed on the AFA stand entitled, An Attitude of Gratitude is Its Own Reward. Again, the title, An Attitude of Gratitude is Its Own Reward. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Why is it so important to give thanks to God in the good times and the bad, in the sunshine and in the rain? Well, one reason is that life is a gift. Another reason is thanksgiving and praise are powerful weapons that help you to you and I to be overcomers and winners in life. See 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. This is true no matter what the obstacles or trials you face. Allow me to share a tremendous illustration of this reality. Francis had what many would consider a tough, tragic, and troubled life. A doctor's error left her at six weeks of age with lifelong blindness. Her father passed away when she was very young. She was raised by her mother and grandmother. Many in today's world would believe Francis had plenty of reason to be unhappy, depressed, and without hope. However, in her autobiography, Frances June Crosby chose to write these amazing words. It seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life, and I thank him for the dispensation. The doctor who made the, the mistake in Francis' life later moved away. However, Francis wrote, If I could meet him now, I would say, Thank you, thank you, over and over again, for making me blind. Though many might would conclude that living a life with blindness would be a sad, disappointing life, Francis considered it to be one of her greatest blessings. She considered her blindness to be a gift from God. She said, I could not have written thousands of hymns if I had been hindered by the distractions of seeing all the interesting and beautiful objects that would, that would have been presented to my notice. By the way, many know Francis June Crosby so much better by the name Fanny Crosby, the great hymn and song writer. Fanny blessed the church and the world with songs that include Blessed Assurance, To God Be the Glory, Redeemed, All the Way My Savior Leads Me, and many others. Fanny is a tremendous example of one who lived with a grateful spirit and with an attitude of gratitude. Having this attitude was a great blessing to her, and she in turn continues to be a blessing, a great blessing to the church and to the world. In her lifetime, she wrote over 8,000 songs or hymns. Make it your goal to thank God in all circumstances, for even in tough times, God really does run our cups over in blessing in so many ways. See Psalm 23, verse 5. Take time to thank and praise God 
for his goodness every day. Don't focus on the negative things in life. Focus on the blessings. It will change your whole outlook on life. Also, being grateful to God for his goodness will stir up your joy. Be mindful, too, that being genuinely grateful makes you instantly rich in the truest sense of the word. Ask God to anoint you today with the spirit of praise and gratitude. Instead of complaining about the rain, thank God for watering his beautiful world for free. Instead of complaining about not feeling well, thank God that you are alive. Instead of complaining about having to clean your house, thank God that you have a home to live in. Instead of being impatient with family members, thank God for the gift your loved ones are to you. Instead of complaining about your job, thank God that you have a job and an income. Instead of complaining about the world, thank God for the opportunity to pray and help change the world to be a better place. Give thanks in all things. And do remember this, being a genuinely grateful person will bless you tremendously. Crosby lived out both the literal and biblical meaning of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. But by doing so obediently, she became an example of Colossians 3, 23 and gave her praise to God for thousands of tongues to sing. Praise and thank God daily and often. Living life with an attitude of gratitude really is its own reward. Again, the title of that article an attitude of gratitude is its own reward. And if you'd like to get a copy, simply email us at joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We'd be glad to get a copy to you. Thanks again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have of being able to live our lives today and every day with an attitude of gratitude. Anoint us today afresh with the spirit of praise, grat- gratitude, and glory empowers to be the thankful and praising people you would have us to be. And more and more, thank you for the opportunity to walk in your joy, the joy that comes as a result of doing just that. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Hour of Intercession. We continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up in the book of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 20, beginning at verse 5. David replied, Tomorrow we celebrate the New Moon Festival. I've always eaten with the king on this occasion, but tomorrow I will hide in the field and stay there until the evening of the third day. If your father asks where I am, tell him I ask permission to go to Bethlehem for an annual family sacrifice. If he says, Fine, you will know all is well. But if he is angry and loses his temper, you will know that he is determined to kill me. Show me this loyalty, show me this loyalty as my sworn friend, for we made a solemn pact before the Lord. Or kill me yourself if I have sinned against your father, but please don't betray me to him. Never, Jonathan exclaimed, you know that if I had the slightest notion my father was planning to kill you, I would tell you at once. Then David asked, How will I know whether or not your father is angry? Come out to the field with me, Jonathan replied. And they went out there together. Then Jonathan told David, 
I promise by the Lord, the God of Israel, that by this time tomorrow, or the next day at the latest, I will talk to my father and let you know at once how he feels about you. If he speaks favorably about you, I will let you know. But if he is angry and wants and wants you killed, may the Lord strike me and even kill me if I don't warn you so you can escape and live. May the Lord be with you as he used to be with my father. And may you treat me with the faithful love of the Lord as long as I live. But if I die, treat my family with this faithful love, even when the Lord destroys all your enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a solemn pact with David, saying, May the Lord destroy all your enemies. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his vow of friendship again, for Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. Then Jonathan said, Tomorrow we celebrate the New Moon Festival. You will be missed when your place at the table is empty. The day after tomorrow, toward evening, go to the place where you hid before and wait there by the stone pile. I will come out and shoot three arrows to the side of the stone pile as though I were shooting at a target. Then I will send a boy to bring the arrows back. If you hear me tell him they're on this side, then you will know as surely as the Lord lives that all is well and there is no trouble. But if I tell him, go farther, the arrows are still ahead of you, then it will mean that you must leave immediately for the Lord is sending you away. And may the Lord make us keep our promise to each other for he has witnessed them. Verses 1 through 23, 1 Samuel chapter 20. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we continue reading through the Word of God. We'll be right back.
Music of Elevation Worship with Grateful. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We continue reading through the Word of God as we pick up now in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 20, starting at verse 18. Then Jonathan said, Tomorrow we celebrate the New Moon Festival. You will be missed when your place at the table is empty. The day after tomorrow, toward evening, go to the place where you hid before and wait there by the stone pile. I will come out and shoot three arrows to the side of the stone pile as though I were shooting at a target. Then I will send a boy to bring the arrows back. If you hear me tell him they're on this side, then you will know as surely as the Lord lives that all is well and there is no trouble. But if I tell him, go farther, the arrows are still ahead of you, then it will mean that you must leave immediately, for the Lord is sending you away. And may the Lord make us keep our promises to each other, for he has witnessed them. So David hid himself in the field, and when the new moon festival began, the king sat down to eat. He sat at his usual place against the wall, with Jonathan sitting opposite him and Abner beside him. But David's place was empty. Saul didn't say anything about it that day, for he himself, for he said to himself, something must have made David ceremonial unclean. But when David's place was empty again the next day, Saul asked Jonathan, why hasn't the son of Jesse been here for the meal either yesterday or today? Jonathan replied, David earnestly asked me if he could go to Bethlehem. He said, please let me go, for we are having a family sacrifice. My brother demanded that I be there, so please let me get away to see my brothers. That's why he isn't here at the king's table. Saul boiled with rage at Jonathan. You stupid son of a whore! He swore at him. Do you think I don't know that you want him to be king in your place, shaming yourself and your mother? As long as that son of Jesse is alive, you'll never be king. Now go and get him so I can kill him. But why should he be put to death? Jonathan asked his father. What has he done? Then Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan, intending to kill him. So at last, Jonathan realized that his father was really determined to kill David. Jonathan left the table in fierce anger and refused to eat on that second day of the festival, for he was crushed by his father's shameful behavior toward David. The next morning, as agreed, Jonathan went out into the field and took a young boy with him to gather his arrows. Start running, he told the boy so you can find the arrows as I shoot them. So the boy ran, and Jonathan shot an arrow beyond him. When the boy had almost reached the arrow, Jonathan shouted, The arrow is still ahead of you. Hurry, hurry, don't wait. So the boy quickly gathered up the arrows and ran back to his master. He, of course, suspected nothing. Only Jonathan and David understood the signal. Then Jonathan gave his bow and arrows to the boy 
and told him to take them back to town. As soon as the boy was gone, David came out from where he had been hiding near the stone pile. Then David bowed three times to Jonathan with his face to the ground. Both of them were in tears as they embraced each other and said goodbye, especially David. At last, Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. The Lord is the witness of a bond between us and our children forever. Then David left and Jonathan returned to the town. 1 Samuel chapter 21. David went to the town of Nob to see Abimelech the priest. Excuse me, Ahimelech the priest. Ahimelech trembled when he saw him. Why are you alone? he asked. Why is no one with you? The king has sent me on a private matter, David said. He told me not to tell anyone why I'm here. I've told my men where to meet me later. Now, what is there to eat? Give me five loaves of bread or anything else you have. We don't have any regular bread, the priest replied, but there is the holy bread, which you can have if your young men have not slept with any women recently. Don't worry, David replied. I never allow my men to be with women when we are on a campaign. And since they stay clean, even on my ordinary trips, how much more on this one? Since there was no other food available, the priest gave him the holy bread, the bread of the presence that was placed before the Lord in the tabernacle. It had just been replaced that day with fresh bread. Now Doeg the Edomite, Saul's chief herdsman, was there that day, having been detained before the Lord. David asked Ahimelech, Do you have a spear or sword? The king's business was so urgent that I didn't even have time to grab a weapon. I only have the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, the priest replied. It is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. Take that if you want it, for there is nothing for there's nothing else here. There's none like it, David replied. Give it to me. So David escaped from Saul and went to King Achish of Gath. But the officers of Achish were unhappy about his being there. Isn't this David, the king of the land? They asked, isn't he the one the people honor with dances singing, Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands? David heard these comments and was very afraid of what King Achish of Gath might do to him. So he pretended to be insane, scratching on doors and drooling down his beard. Finally, King Achish said to his men, Must you bring me a madman? We already have enough of them around here. Why should I let someone like this be my guest? 1 Samuel Chapter 22. So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and all his other relatives joined him there. Then others began coming, men 
who were in trouble or in debt, or who were just discontented, until David was the captain of about 400 men. Later, David went to Mizpah in Moab, where he asked the king, Please allow my father and mother to live here with you until I know what God is going to do for me. So David's parents stayed in Moab with the king during the entire time David was living in his stronghold. One day, the prophet Gad told David, leave the stronghold and return to the land of Judah. So David went to the forest of Hereth. The news of his arrival in Judah soon reached Saul. At the time, the king was sitting beneath the tamarisk tree on the hill of Gibeah, holding his spear and surrounded by his officers. Listen here, you men of Benjamin, Saul shouted to his officers when he heard the news. Has that son of Jesse promised every one of you fields and vineyards? Has he promised to make you all generals and captains of his army? Is that why you have conspired against me? For not one of you told me when my own son made a solemn pact with the son of Jesse. You're not even sorry for me. Think of it, my own son encouraging him to kill me as he is trying to do this very day. Then Doeg the Edomite, who was standing there with Saul's men, spoke up. When I was at Nob, he said, I saw the son of Jesse talking to the priest, Ahimelech, son of Ahitab. Ahimelech consulted the Lord for him. Then he gave him food and the sword of Goliath the Philistine. King Saul immediately sent for Ahimelech and all his family, who served as priests at Nob. When they arrived, Saul shouted at him, Listen to me, you son of Ahitub. What is it, my king? Ahimelech asked. Why have you and the son of Jesse conspired against me? Saul demanded. Why did you give him food and a sword? Why have you consulted God for him? Why have you encouraged him to kill me, as he is trying to do this very day? But sir, Ahimelech replied, is anyone among all your servants as faithful as David, your son-in-law? Why, he is the captain of your bodyguard and a highly honored member of your household. This was certainly not the first time I had consulted God for him. May the king not accuse me and my family of this matter, for I knew nothing at all of any plot against you. You will surely die, Ahimelech, along with your entire family, the king shouted and he ordered his bodyguards, kill these priests of the Lord, for they are allies and conspirators with David. They knew he was running away from me, but they didn't tell me. But Saul's men refused to kill the Lord's priests. Then the king said to Doeg, you do it. So Doeg the, Edom so Doeg, the Edomite turned on them and killed them that day, 85 priests in all still wearing their priestly garments. Then he went to Nob, the town of the priests, and killed the priests' families, men and women, children and babies, and all the cattle, donkeys, sheep, and goats. 
only Abiathar, one of the sons of Ahimelech, escaped and fled to David. When he told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord, David exclaimed, I knew it. When I saw Doeg the Edomite there that day, I knew he was sure to tell Saul. Now I have caused the death of all your father's family. Stay here with me and don't be afraid. I will protect you with my own life, for the same person wants to kill us both. 1 Samuel chapter 23. One day, news came to David that the Philistines were at Keilah stealing grain from the threshing floors. David asked the Lord, Should I go and attack them? Yes, go and save Keilah, the Lord told him. But David's men said, We are afraid even here in Judah. We certainly don't want to go to Keilah to fight the whole Philistine army. So David asked the Lord again, and again the Lord replied, Go down to Keilah, for I will help you conquer the Philistines. So David and his men went to Keilah. They slaughtered the Philistines and took all their livestock and rescued the people of Keilah. Now when Abiathar, son of Ahimelech, fled to David at Keilah, he brought the ephod with him. Saul soon learned that David was at Keilah. Good, he exclaimed. We've got him now. God has handed him over to me, for he has trapped himself in a walled town. So Saul mobilized his army to march to Keilah and besiege David and his men. But David learned of Saul's plan and told Abiathar the priest to bring the ephod and ask the Lord, what he should do. Then David prayed, O Lord, God of Israel, I have heard that Saul is planning to come and destroy Keilah because I am here. Will the leaders of Keilah betray me to him? Verses 1 through 9, 1 Samuel chapter 23. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we're reading through the Word of God. We'll be right back. Brings hope when 
group with All Praise Goes to You. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We continue now reading through the Word of God as we pick up in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 9 in the New Testament, Romans chapter 9, starting at verse 1. With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that, if that would save them. They are the people of Israel, chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to them. He made covenants with them and gave them his law. He gave them the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors, and Christ himself was an Israelite as far as his human nature is concerned. And he is God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Well then, has God failed to fulfill his promise to Israel? No, for for not all who are born into the nation of Israel are truly members of God's people. Being descendants of Abraham doesn't make them truly Abraham's children. For the scriptures say, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted, though Abraham had other children too. This means that Abraham's physical descendants are not necessarily children of God. Only the children of the promise are considered to be Abraham's children. For God had promised, I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. This son was our ancestor Isaac. When he married Rebekah, she gave him to twins. Excuse me, when she married Rebekah, she gave birth to twins. But before they were born, before they had done anything good or bad, she received a message from God. This message shows that God chooses people according to his own purposes. He calls people, but not according to their good or bad works, she told. Excuse me. He calls people, but not according to their good or bad works. She was told, Your older son will serve your younger son. In the words of the scriptures, I loved Jacob, but I rejected Esau. Are we saying then that God was unfair? Of course not. For God said to Moses, I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. And so it is God who decides, and so it is God who decides to show mercy. We can neither choose it nor work for it. 
For the scriptures say that God told Pharaoh, I've appointed you for the very purpose of displaying my power in you and to spread my fame throughout the earth. So you see, God chooses to show mercy to some and he chooses to harden the hearts of others so they refuse to listen. Well then, you might say, why does God blame people for not responding? Haven't they simply done what he makes them do? No, don't say that. Who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? Should the thing that was created say to the one who created it, Why have you made me like this? When a potter makes jars out of clay, doesn't he have a right to use the same lump of clay to make one jar for decoration and another and another to throw garbage into? In the same way, even though God has the right to show his anger and his power, he is very patient with those on whom his anger falls, who are destined for destruction. He does this to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those to whom he shows mercy, who were prepared in advance for glory. And we are among those whom he selected, both from the Jews and from the Gentiles. Concerning the Gentiles, God says in the prophecy of Hosea, those who were not my people, I will now call my people. And I will love those whom I did not love before. And then at the place where they were told, you are not my people, there they will be called children of the living God. And concerning Israel, Isaiah the prophet cried out, though the people of Israel were as numerous as the sand of the seashore, only a remnant will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth quickly and with finality. And Isaiah said the same thing in another place. If the Lord of heaven's armies had not spared a few of our children, we would have been wiped out like Sodom, destroyed like Gomorrah. What does all this mean? Even though the Gentiles were not trying to follow God's standards, they were made right with God. And it was by faith that this took place. But the people of Israel, who tried so hard to get right with God by keeping the law, never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting in Him. They stumbled over the great rock in their path. God warned them of this in the scriptures when He said, I am placing a stone in Jerusalem that makes people stumble a rock that makes them fall. But anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Romans chapter 10. Dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God.
For Moses writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth. And don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again. In fact, it says, the message is very close at hand. It is on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how can anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. But I ask, have the people of Israel actually heard the message? Yes, they have. The message has gone throughout the earth and the words to all the world. But I ask, did the people of Israel really understand? Yes, they did. For even in the time of Moses, God said, I will rouse your jealousy through people who are not even a nation. I will provoke your anger through the foolish Gentiles. And later Isaiah spoke boldly for God, saying, I was found by people who were not looking for me. I showed myself to those who were not asking for me. But regarding Israel, God said, All day long I opened my arms to them, but they were disobedient and rebellious. Romans chapter 11. I asked then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? Of course not. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of, of Abraham and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. No, God has not rejected his own people, but he chose from the very beginning Excuse me. No, God has not rejected his own people, whom he chose from the very beginning. Do you realize what the scriptures say about this? Elijah the prophet complained to God about the people of Israel and said, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And do you remember God's reply? He said, No, I have 7,000 others who have never bowed down to Baal. It is the same today for a few of the people of Israel have remained faithful because of God's grace. Verses 1 through 4, Romans chapter 11. 
You're listening to the Hour of Intercession, and as we usually do before we end the broadcast, if you are listening today and you've never made the eternally important decision of asking Jesus Christ to come into your heart to be the Lord and Savior of your life, today is a great day, a wonderful day to make that step. Would you simply, from your heart, pray this prayer with me now and fully commit your heart and your whole life to the Lord Jesus Christ? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came into this world a long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for all my sins. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, I repent. And I turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. In your word, you told us, whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right now, Lord, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all my life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession. If you just prayed that prayer and committed your heart and your life to the Lord, we are very much wanting to connect with you. We'd like to be in touch with you. My email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We'd like to share with you some literature and some resource information that will help you to begin to grow up and grow strong in your new walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and put down roots deep. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We hope to hear from you. As always, we appreciate you being a part of our listening family. And if you'd like to get a copy of the article we shared earlier, An Attitude of Gratitude is its own reward. Same email, same email, joseph at afr.net. We'll be glad to share it with you. And any and all other resources you've heard about before, otherwise, that you'd like, some of the Kingdom Prayers, the Psalm 91, any other prayers, we're glad to get them to you again. Same email, joseph at afr.net. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.